and welcome to The Nightcap. Ask us anything number six, I believe. We're already sort of in March. We're recording this on a Wednesday. I uh, hope you're all doing well out there. So thanks so much again for all your questions, comments. Uh, keep sending them to us. We love getting them. At The Nightcap Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those usual places. You can DM us, whatever you want. Uh, how you doing, Paul, mate? I'm good, mate. Yeah, yeah. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Back at the restaurant today, you say? Yeah, kids are back in school and preschool now, so... Yeah, it's all um, all changed. It's been a bit. Yeah, I've not got. I thought I'd, no kids being back. I thought I'd get more work done. But actually, <laughs> were they I'm excited? Not. Were they excited? Um, Ethan was excited to go back to preschool. Oh, he's been going in a little bit anyway. He's just going back more now. Yeah. Um, Esme was kind of neither excited or disappointed. But Monday she had a really good day. She enjoyed it. Yeah. It's, I mean, just like nice. for her, it's. I never worried about her. Um, getting behind like education wise it was more the social side she's so yeah. sociable yeah yeah. Um, yeah and her just spending all day indoors with me for three <laughs> four days a week sounds not... like hell to anyone mate yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah so no she was buzzing being back That's good. and i did ask her monday um i just sat down with the, the kids for dinner and i just i said to them both so what's been the highlight of your your day today it could be anything and ethan mm. said oh when we went to the park because i didn't like Monday, you didn't go to preschool. We went to the park and met your friend, and we were on the swing. I said, oh, I love you. What about you, Esme? She went to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> wow, excellent. Like, was it girl. a special lunch that day, or was it just standard? No, she, well, she's back on hot dinners now. Uh, All she had was, she told me she had a jacket potato with butter. Wow. I mean, and then simple pudding. Pleasure, I can't remember I what pudding was. I think it's because <clears throat> with hot lunch, they get pudding at school. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. So I don't know. A highlight I... of her being back to school. From what you've seen, does it look like school dinners have changed a lot at the schools they're at compared to when we were at school? According to Esme, they're incredible. Really? Um, better like, than your better cooking than mine. Yeah. yeah. Genuinely, she's told me that. Um, <laughs> and I haven't even asked her. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I think, I highly doubt they're any good. The only, actually, I was thinking about this the other day, the only thing that I can take positively away from school dinners was something that I talked about on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, which is where it comes from, and that's hot rice pudding with like oh, yeah. chocolate buttons dotted on the top that melt oh, okay, and we yeah. had that at school as a treat for pudding and that's where i got that from from wanting mm. to do that at home with my easter eggs that's the only yeah. good thing unhealthy nah, as hell right. yeah i have no positive memories of <laughs> like food and i wasn't a foodie kid but i have yeah. no positive memories whatsoever of any hot dinners yeah i remember though uh when i went to i went to a different school for sixth form yeah. When we got there, there was a canteen and they had like a pasta dish of the day and it was like chicken arabiata. And I was like, what, wow. the, what the fuck <laughs> is this? Where are the sausage rolls and donuts? Like, yeah. what is going on here? Dish of this, the day. Yeah, I know. I was like, this is a joke. <laughs> they had, um, they, uh, and when we, I remember when we left, we heard from students that we still knew at the school that they'd converted the 6-1 con room and they'd bought like a £10,000 coffee machine. And where, they were employing... I know it was just it was just a normal it was a it was a grammar school for but yeah. it wasn't like a private school or anything it was a grammar school and um yeah they they got they got a coffee machine and then they employed a barista what yes yes what i could not get to my head around it so you can go and get a latte i was like fucking hell left at the wrong time here yeah. Okay, let's kick off with some questions, shall we? Uh, first one here is from Emma, who says, Hi guys, love the podcast. It really got me through lockdown, so thank you so much. I'm an interior designer working in the commercial sector, designing restaurants, bars, hotels, etc. Sounds very cool. 
So my question for Paul is this. As a chef, how important do you feel it is to consider the interior and how it will complement the offer? And is there anything you'd change about the front of house at Salt? And Sai, as a punter, what are your thoughts on the subject? Great question, Emma, to kick things it, off. No, not really talked question. about this too much, have we? But um, No, yeah, we've what? not. I mean, I obviously look at it a bit different now because I'm not just a chef, a restaurant owner. Yeah. Um, but I think as chefs, generally, when you're coming up for a change, it's not something you do consider because you're normally closed off and you don't get to see the restaurant a lot. Yeah. You don't get to go out there a lot in the old school way either. So um, you probably wouldn't, and you've purely focused on the food. Mm -hmm. So you don't really understand if you're closed off from it, the importance of the synergy between the two. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as, as an example, like when I was at Mallory Court, we were serving really good food and the restaurant was really nice, but they, they didn't sort of, bit david brent there, isn't it? Um, <laughs> merge yeah together. they yeah, didn't, yeah. <laughs> didn't merge together it was kind it wasn't like um you know a complete clash but it just wasn't quite it was like slightly incongruent really yeah um and but that was about me having my agenda and them having their agenda and we just weren't really aligned not on the same page um, yeah. yeah yeah really um you know and in here I, th I think we are um but yeah, it's something I think you know chefs do really need to try and understand, and I think they're becoming a lot more understanding of nowadays because it's chefs go out to eat more, especially younger ones go out to eat more than I used to. Yeah. Um, and you appreciate that it's not just about the food; it's not just about the food and the service. It's the setting, the ambience, and what does that mean? It doesn't have to be the grandest, mm -hmm. you know, the grandest place, but does it work for what it is? Is is the offer right for the service? Does uh, the uniform fit the food, which fits the service, which fits the decor? Yeah. There's so many. All those factors have to for the best restaurants. All those factors work. Yeah. Um. Like the 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 best restaurants aren't always the most plush. It's just where they're yeah firing on all cylinders mm -hmm. um yeah and for here yeah there is i mean i've wanted to refurb the front of house since day one we just never never uh financially viable and then we were gonna do it but we decided to do the cookery school instead yeah um and then we were looking at we were gonna plan to do it we spoke early last year to do it this january but obviously that's changed yeah with everything that's going on <laughs> of course um so yeah it's still something that's in the back of mind it's like we need need to do it uh, it's not about changing the style it's just about making it a little bit more yeah i was gonna a little say bit more you, market a bit like more cozy it's not like you're taking it in a different direction or anything it's just you want to what just no. replace old bits and stuff like that really just upgrade sharpen it up new tables new chairs that are more comfy and more in fitting you know i still want to keep the the feel of you know the brick and the flagstone floor and the mm. wonky walls and the beams that yeah. has to stay because that that just works for us yeah so it's not like a complete refurb it's about mm -hmm. like you know really polishing it up and getting some great great yeah. tables and chairs in there really and i suppose like you sort of touched on there and for a lot of places that maybe started up through either a big cash injection or uh, a Kickstarter campaign, it's it must be really tricky to balance your vision of you know you're in your mm. mind you've got your you're playing the Sims the kitchen version yeah. of the Sims of what what you want against the reality of the money side and sort of because mm. I can't imagine you went right I want this on every wall I want that and it, it was more like what can we get that I think fits for the price like there's so many factors to consider when yeah. kitting what out your restaurant fits for the price what 
am I buying that for me and my own vanity and ego, or is it going to benefit the restaurant? That's yep. a big question. Um, and again, that's why you know we just didn't spend a huge amount on the kitchen because you know that as long as we could cook and produce good food, that would come first. Yeah, yeah. I didn't need to spend thousands and thousands on a new stove, yep. which we you know we do need, and it will make us more efficient and it's more cost effective for the business eventually. But just outlaying that money now, it's just not it's just not viable. Yeah, really, of course. At all. So what if uh, say for example Emma came round and you having a chat about what you want to do like talk us for those that haven't been to, to salt just describe mm. a couple of things you've got on the walls and, and like the, the fixture like what would you want to do differently and what have you got there at the well moment? i'd want to um so when you walk in you've got uh, like normally there's three tables in the front room where the bar is mm-hmm. uh, there's a blanket which is not a bad blanket and there's a little window seat i'd want to change them um just the color they're quite nice as what they are but they were, were what were here before we just lowered yeah. them um, okay. Kind yeah, of a sort mustardy of caramel color. mustard sort of color, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd want to change them. Yeah, you know, the walls nice, and then I'd want to change the lights, uh, the lighting. Uh, again, it's nice, very rustic, uh, but it was what was here before as mm-hmm. well. So I think it just needs that they're changing just something perhaps with a touch more elegant. Um, yeah. Keep the uh, there's a fireplace in that front room, and then you walk into the main restaurant where we normally have six or seven tables. Uh, there's a fireplace in there as well, which again. As a feature that's that stay. I don't even think even if we wanted to, we could remove it. But I, I like it. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Loads of beams. The beams have all been painted this like kind of um, grey grey colour, which which is quite nice. And um, we did look at having them stripped back to the original. Um, yeah, wow. And it's a big big job because yeah, they've been painted. Big job. Very expensive just mm. to get them back. So I think it's got to kind of fit around that really, just for the sake of again thousands of pounds to have these stripped back yeah for no benefit back on that um i'd probably want to look at some blanket seating in in the main restaurant just on one side um just a run where we can have more flexibility with the tables um and then just uh, you know we need someone like that with an eye that's better than mine um because we've got some you know pictures and things on the wall but they're just things that we bought that like yeah that looks nice and yeah, you've got that really nice big sort of like chalkboard picture of the dissection of a pig cow yeah which cow is pig? which is cool remember. and the reason we did that so that chalkboard it's kind of like really well attached to the wall mm. um and when it was a tapas restaurant they used to write their specials on there and obviously we don't do specials mm-hmm. so what we're going to do with a big chalkboard we looked at taking it off and it could have like we probably would have needed like replastering and yeah. wall. we're open in a couple of weeks and i just no i just don't want that so so Reandrew um a pig and all the breakdown of it and it looks great and people love it especially yeah. like if i have a vegan really table striking. i tend to sit at that table <laughs> get a selfie with it in the background there we go yeah <laughs> oh nice i didn't realize it was actually a permanent fixture and you just had to see that's that's classic isn't it like you didn't it wasn't what you necessarily wanted it was more like turning something that was already in there into working something with that what fit. you've got yeah. yeah working with what you've got we didn't start with um didn't start with an empty sort of shell to build this yeah. from so yeah and, and maybe it would have been all right but i didn't want to get down the road of taking it out and then no sure because you know, it was so well attached it would have ripped plaster off i think that's wise though also because um it's such a unique like it's a grade two listed building isn't it yeah. and it, in a way it's already charming of course so yeah. you, you know you're sort of in a way lucky because even though it's a bit hag- you know like wonky walls and beams and stuff as you say it's still charming as it is so you don't mm. have to do too much to already make it there's an atmosphere already 
it's very Stratfordy yeah. and very, do you know what I mean? So it's sort of yeah, exactly, exactly. So that that charm it does help us get away with you know certain things and that rustic rustic feel. Uh, yeah. Although it's not none of our service or food is rustic, uh, it still does fit with it. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, so but like in the in the restaurant as well, I want to change the lighting. I've got um, there's actually like a blue picture. I don't know if you remember it. Um, it's Where on. About, if I'm standing from the kitchen facing the restaurant on yeah. that back wall. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's quite a nice sort of picture, but it's just we just got it because it kind of worked with our colour themes. Got, got yeah. Um, not, not too much meaning behind it. It just sort of no. Fit. Yeah. And it was a space that needed filling, so th- yeah. there is a bit of that. And then there's a shelf area where it's like, what we needed to put something there. So oh, you got the. Pop so I've got our awards and, and stuff <laughs> there. Yeah, we've got the K2 award and yeah, a few of us up there, yeah. which is nice. So that that can stay. Yeah, that can stay. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't begrudge that. You can keep them up there. And I bought some random driftwood things from Etsy that like to stick candles on, and they're quite cool again, mm-hmm. but it was like about, okay, we just need some bits. We need some. We need to accessorise, really. Yeah. It's yeah. so funny, isn't it? Because like Emma, like an awesome job that she's got there, like designing restaurants and bars and stuff. But you're right, because of every different setup, it's so unique. And also because of budget constraints, you can't just mm. you can't just play The Sims when you're opening no. a new restaurant. There is going to be compromise along the way, so it is tricky. Exactly, and then you've got, you know, there's there's budget, there's legal restrictions, there's yep. um, restrictions on grade, graded buildings, yep. and then there's the taste. That just because it's not your taste doesn't mean it's shy, does it, necessarily? So, like, she might come up with something, and if the owner's got a different idea, yeah. that's there's a really skilled part about that job is that you, you know, brain dumping everything you like, and then then bringing it to life, really. Yeah, which yeah. is what you know the guys who designed the cookery school yeah, did, which, really. Which looks amazing, and, and people can it's see everything I wanted. It was kind of in my head that I couldn't yeah. draw out, or all I could do was use my words to kind of yeah. explain how I wanted it to look. Oh, and they smashed it. It does look incredible. You can, yeah, and that, that is where we used to record, used to, where we will be going back to record the podcast. So <coughs> you can go and check, check those videos out. You can see the, what the cookery school looks like. And also your masterclass is all shot up there, isn't it? Yeah, the, all the masterclass is shot up there. Mm. And my new book, we're shooting up there as well. It's just such a... It's a studio a cool as much room. as a cookery school, actually, isn't it? Because it, it looks so good. It is, yeah. Mm. It's multi. That was one of the things I said to them. It had to be multi-use mm-hmm. in that respect. It had to have, like, you know loads of natural light for filming photography and yeah yeah, just loads of space yeah lastly on this subject just anything that stands out to you from like decor you've seen at other restaurants that you will never forget while you think of one for me when i went to a theme yeah and i saw that giant tree with oh yeah that's pink and purple blossom and it's one of those where Say before it was being kitted out, if Actar walked in and went, right, guys, I want a giant fucking tree with <laughs> blossom in the middle, you'd go, oh, do you know, like it sounds yeah. a bit mad. It sounds like mm. it, and it look sounds like it could look shit and tacky. It yeah. looks incredible. Like it looks amazing. That, yeah, that's that's the real difficult part of the the job, isn't it? It's like selling that before you actually see it in situ. Yeah. How and how yeah, you have the, you, you the bravery to go for it. You break down some of the things you see. Yeah, yeah. Break down some of the things you see in the restaurant. Like I remember, this is probably one of the things that stood out most to me all over. Really, uh, sketch. Uh, you ever been to sketch? No, I London? haven't. No. 
So it's like it's got a few different rooms on the go, like so many different types and styles of design. So the free mission style restaurant is beautiful, mm -hmm. um, quite grand French, but not too stuffy, like really high ceilings, like loads of space between the tables. Lovely. Yeah. Um, loads of light, big windows, just a lovely room. And downstairs, you've got like where to serve afternoon tea, which is kind of a little bit rustic, a bit a bit hippie like. <laughs> and then you've got um, the toilets. The toilets are just fucking crazy. You walk out the back, you walk through this other big random room where they've got they'll do big banquets and they've got like um, videos playing like on all four walls. Um, Wow. And then you go through, they've got this bar that's sunken into the floor, this circular bar, tiny little bar. Mm -hmm. And then you walk through and these toilets, they're like pods. They look like really big eggs. If you imagine you've got an egg, <laughs> you sort of elongated it a bit. Yeah. All individual. Wow. Um, and you go and have your own little pod. I'll have to send you a photo. That's amazing. Um, yeah, that sounds so cool. And even if you just Google sketch uh, London toilets, you, <laughs> you'll see. And then the female are lit up with like a pinkish kind of colour and the the blokes a little like a bluish kind of color right. um but there were so many random things there that just stuck out and it's like at what point were they like right just just fucking trust me so there's <laughs> yeah, one yeah. I, I took a photo of it you walk up the stairs um i don't know if it's still there or not it was too great it was a statue of two greyhounds shagging <laughs> <laughs> wow like, that is they, they, you know proper brave. into it yeah, as well. yeah, yeah it's like can't take your eyes off it <laughs> So you can imagine the, the interior designer saying, like, just trust me on this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then in one of the toilets, so there's a normal toilets as well. You went up there and then there was like this statue of this woman, quite big, sort of. I think she's kind of like crouched over, like with a, uh, I think a fist under a chin. Mm -hmm. And hair was kind of Afro-like, but there were all syringes. Right. Yeah. So again, it's like... Because I, I, so, I that sounds so abstract, like Tate Modern style stuff. That does, it does, it does. And you know, I've got nothing against that. I just, I just always think, I, I think very one dimensional about design. Like the new flat I've just got, it's like right, okay, I've got these lovely grey sofas. I've got some pink. Um, I've got some mustardy cushions. Let's get a mustardy throw, and then I need some green. Yeah, nice. You yeah. know, <laughs> so black and white thinking. I'm not taking it much further than that. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a, there has to be a conversation and some drawings and something. You don't normally tend to put the artwork into the, the drawing, so you draw out all the colours, the schemes, the the layouts, and do the pack yeah. um, <laughs> pack drawings and that. And all of a sudden, they turn up with two greyhound shagging under their arms. Like, trust me, it's going to work. You'll Where get do you get three want this? stars here. Where do you want this? <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Oh, do you know what? what a contrast to you with a chalkboard you can't get rid of. Going, should we draw a pig on it? <laughs> <laughs> chalk, chalk version of two great hound shagging for the reopening <laughs> just for one night just for one night that would be amazing just to see if Brilliant. anyone comments on it that would be absolutely winning that would <sighs> oh man right great question Emma let's move on uh, next one is from Sam Austin who says what is the best meal you've ever had that wasn't Michelin starred good question Mm. Um, for you, actually, the, the, the place you talked about in Spain once upon a time. Yeah, that, on, a, on an old podcast. Yeah, yeah, was that that wasn't Michelin starred, was it? Was that? Was oh that, no, not whatsoever. No, no. Kind of someone's house that was set up as a restaurant. Yeah, that was it. Is that is um, that yours? Is it? That would be on there. It's difficult to say. And again, this if if you've got my book or if anyone wants to buy any, there's only about fifty copies left. Oh really? Oh hello. I I did about. Um, 
at the start, I did, you see the chef stories that are in there. <laughs> so I asked loads of chefs, mates that I knew, all different levels of uh, and styles of chefs, like to list their best meal. But I didn't want them to say just because it was three star or two star that that was the best meal, like whatever it was and whatever it meant to you. And mm -hmm. um, what I was trying to get across in this book was that, you know, chefs are always accused of having big egos, etc. Because yeah, generally it's true. Um, <laughs> but what I was trying to get across is that as much as we think of food and as important it is, it's not the whole thing of the meal. You yeah. know, the best food I have have had isn't necessarily the best meal I've ever had. Yeah, that's yeah, because that's a good of distinction. the whole experience. Mm -hmm. And I've had some incredible food where it's not been a great meal. For, for varying reasons whether yeah. you know, you, you're you not feeling that great or mm. you know you're running late or the worst one for me i won't enjoy it is if say I'm, I'm i'm going out for lunch in birmingham but i know i've got to get back to get the kids from school yeah, so you're yeah. Just not you just not relax i can you, guarantee yeah. you will you could have a beautiful meal but you will not enjoy it as much because yeah, you're not so true. letting yourself go that's so interesting that's you say that because then when you when you think about in the mind of a michelin star judge like they might have that in their life when they go and look, go look around places. Do you know what I mean? Like, say for example, yeah, it was the last restaurant they were going to on their little mini tour, and they had to they had a train to catch. Yeah, and that's weighing on their mind in the back. Suddenly, their their mind's not quite in this compared to the Friday night two nights before where they just had to stumble back to their hotel room. Yeah. It's, not, it's not quite the well, same, having a is it? Text argument with their partner. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> you know, Little things like that do so many it. factors. Yeah. So honestly, it's unbelievable. So that was what I tried to do. And like, Daniel Clifford gave this great story about how he was cooking at home for his daughters and their daughter's friend and stuff. And uh, Dan Doherty about this story about. Uh, the tea and toast he had when he um, his daughter was born and yeah it is it's just about what does it mean for you what place are you in there and then mm -hmm. and I think that's why that that stood out to me because it took me by surprise when you yeah. go into a freestyle your expectations up here isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but when you're not expecting much like I went to that place in the mountains in, in uh, Spain just outside I was told oh it's just outside Benidorm so straight away you're like oh fuck <laughs> oh, Christ yeah. right yeah pie, pie and a pint yeah <laughs> um, football on the background copy of the sun in the loo <laughs> yeah and a fight later on yeah. <laughs> um, so my expectations were very low. So yeah. when you deliver something that's lovely, it's like wow, rather than being yeah, that's where what I expected. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that that definitely up there. When remind, to, me, remind me what was the food? What was the um, sort of the, the food lamb. there? That's to, yeah, lamb. That was that's it. it. You like yeah. you're having lamb. So the <laughs> the owner cooked lamb, um, and you had no real choice of the cut or anything. It was like he cooked a whole lamb, and then they served X amount of people mm -hmm. per day. That was it. Just a selection of like really nicely cooked seasonal vegetables and things that they're grown there themselves as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was just some red wine. I don't know what it was. I can't <laughs> remember. I would have asked at the time. I would have seen the yeah. bottle, but I can't remember. And it was just, that's the best thing about eating out. I don't, when you go somewhere that's like that, when it's really pure or it's really good, I don't, I don't want to choose. Just, yeah. just yeah. cook. Look after just, me. Yeah. Just do it. Just mm -hmm. do your thing. And mm -hmm. then, you know, that, that, that's, I want to do the best. I want to eat the best of what you can do, not me come and break things down and choose this, that, or the other. It's, yeah, absolutely. I just want to. I've come here for this. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It was up in the mountains, the big long drive, like incredible views. It felt like you're on somebody's um, sort of balcony looking into the mountains, and I was just like, where the fuck is it? Because my cousin took me there, 
And my cousin, he was a bit rogue, he was. <laughs> you know, he's a proper wheeler dealer. He's moved out to Spain, you know, made a million, lost a million, that kind of guy, yeah. you know, yeah, import, yeah. export. <laughs> um, I don't know what. <laughs> I don't um, know. So I went over to Into see horticulture. him. horticulture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I went over to see him and he, he lived this life, like proper playboy life, a lot older than me, his cousin. He was, um, yeah, probably... 20 years on me or something but we we really got on at the time and yeah proper playboy took us to these cool parties and stuff so i did not expect him to take us to this yeah just quaint beautiful <laughs> restaurant that was right up my street yeah so, nice yeah. that is great it sounds incredible is it and have you tracked it down and do you know if it's still, like is it in, is it impossible i remember to... at the time because people asked us i did yeah. i did google it but all I've got is outside of Benidorm, restaurant, mountains, house, like some pretty vague words there. Really. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I could spend a bit of time. Um, I'm not in touch with my cousin. I, I was going to say, surely message your cousin is the next. <laughs> yeah. But by the sounds of him, he probably has even less of a clue than you do. Yeah, um, we, we, um, we've not heard from him for years. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I th- uh, yeah, that would be the only way, I think. Yeah, fine. I will try. Mm. Good, what about you? Um, oh, best food. You're right. It, it is the sort of the circumstances and the the sort of maybe lower expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that stands out. I think I told the story on, on one of the really early podcasts we did, because it was actually thanks to TripAdvisor, and I don't say that very often. But <laughs> when me and Haiti went to Venice, yeah, we were looking for somewhere just to grab some lunch, and via TripAdvisor we were just looking that was like the quickest access to know like where we could go and they had this like section just in I don't know whether it was common in lots it probably is in a lot of Italian cities and towns but you could like rank them all based on their pasta mm-hmm. and the number one that came up was that it was basically like almost a pasta bar slash oh yeah it was almost like oh what like a, it was almost like the, a market f- shop stall but just inside yeah. someone's hat, like the front bit of someone's house. And it was really hard to find. Oh, okay. And we were literally looking around for ages and then following Google Maps on our phone. And eventually we came to this tiny little shack mm. with a large queue outside of it. Mm-hmm. But it was really like shoddy looking, like nothing looked, it was just humble as hell. And we got yeah. little pots of pasta with a wooden fork from it. <laughs> and it was just the best pasta I've ever had in my life. And it was just yeah. unbelievable. And it's been, and maybe it's again, because I was like, where, what is this? And where are we here? Down a little back street. Yeah. And it was just incredible. And because I'm also, again, we're in Venice. In the, in the, you're in Venice. You're all, on holiday. You're yeah. with Hayley. It's, it's, yeah, you've, you're not going to be there. anywhere. And then yeah. you serve some great food. It's like... Yeah, yeah, there's so so many factors. So. Yeah, so many factors. But that definitely stands out as like a favourite non-Michelin meal for sure. Yeah. Cool, right. Next one here is from Martin who says, is the philosophy of the customer is always right correct? <laughs> absolutely <Ooh>. not. No, <laughs> absolutely but that saying, not. I mean, that saying is, I mean, there'll be training videos up and down the country being banded about in which yeah. companies' philosophy is based around the idea of... The customer's yeah, always right, but do you for just one, think... it's factually incorrect, <laughs> isn't it? Because yeah. it's way too generic. Oh, we've learnt that over these podcasts yeah. as well, that they are not always actually right. Like, if you take it way too literally, which I do, yeah. um, <laughs> which, no, in um, joking aside, I understand the message of that. If you break it down and you don't take it literally, I understand the message of it, of what they're, what they're trying to do. It's like, 
ultimately what they're saying is you've got to please the customer no matter what. Yeah. Okay. But if you take that literally, this is where I have issue with it because customers take it literally. Yeah. The, you're, you're the, so the right, wrong yeah. gun customers do. Yeah. And it's not, I don't think it was ever intended as a statement to be taken Mm-hmm. that literally of whatever i say i'm fucking right <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's taken too far you're right though because it's actually because it's such a common phrase that is used and we all sort of like there's almost a bit of an assumption that it is true in the world mm. it means that customers some customers think oh god so that means even if i exaggerate or lie or miscon they'll give me the benefit of the doubt because I'm the customer. Mm. So yeah. I, I can get away with more because we're living in a world where the customer's always right. So it, it, it can be a... Re- that is to the detriment of loads of places if they... It is, yeah. And, you know, g- going back to the last question, like kind of link there is in this in the industry, like you can be doing the best you can be doing. You can be... You, know, you could serve a faultless meal with service, mm-hmm. but something may have gone wrong in someone's day or... You know, like Michael O'Hare was talking about that time on the podcast um, about the issue the lady had, and she was clearly there was some. She was like, I don't know, having some issues outside or something. Yeah. You know, you're you're up against that, and you might not have done anything wrong at all. Might have bent over backwards to please somebody, and they're still not happy. Yeah. It doesn't mean they're right, does mm-hmm. it? No, of course you know, not. So you are kind kind of kind of up against it, and it 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 is it is. It's, it's challenging. Yeah, a lot of customers are coming around now, but the way, the way I have to have to think of it, which I think again, if you take what I say now out of context, it could sound really arrogant. Is I don't do this just for the customers. Mm-hmm. You know, I want the customers to be happy. Of course, I do. We do it to please people. Yeah. But it's not just for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, what I mean, I'm not here because we absolutely have to be, and it's do or die. If it was, I'd just get a job. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. It's a bit like a musician saying, I didn't get into music so that I could sell out a stadium yeah, and get the money. Yeah, I did because exactly. I love music and I wanted to create an album I'm proud of. Exactly, exactly. So it's the same, same as what you're saying there, is you want to create food and, di- and innovate and do things different and to, so that you're sort of... It, I don't want to make it sound selfish, but it almost is, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like okay the, to be. Yeah, yeah, it's okay to be because I think, especially as we're small enough to be as well, we're not we're not trying to appeal to the mass public. So you know, we're in a position now where I can we don't have to give in to silly customer requests when they get you know a bit prima donnery, a bit demanding and expectant because you know because they maybe they've been spoiled in your grand country houses where you can have whatever you want whenever you want and yeah. you know because that is true traditional hospitality. This is different. We're a small restaurant where. Mm-hmm. We're cooking what we want to cook, yep. and that's why we're cooking it. If people don't want it, that's fine, like genuinely fine. And if people don't enjoy it, again, like, I'm genuinely fine with that. I'd never lose sleep over it. No, that's good. Um, but I'm not doing it just for them. It's a balance. So, yep. you know, it's I'm not going to be pandering to every customer's need if they if they give it that sort of I'm, I'm always right attitude. When it comes to the front of house staff uh, and any new people you take on that maybe don't have as much experience as like your jacks of the world, mm. do you have to give them like maybe even training or tips on how to deal with tricky customers? And do you ever have to say things like, you know, regardless of whether you think they're right or wrong, you know, just kill them with kindness or like, how do you go? What do you do or say with that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously you've got to treat each situation you've got to isolate it to treat each situation on its own. Yeah. So the way we'll manage it here is cause 
generally, from experience, what you'll find is that these customers, if they're being arseholes, they will tend to go for the lowest member of staff because they're an easy target. Yeah. Ah, um, interesting. And it, it is. It's just it's basic psychology, isn't it? They will yeah. go for them because they feel in a stronger position. Yep. They feel they can outwit them, and mm-hmm. they feel that they're going to make a mistake and save something. So, kind of the process is that just be kind. Never put yourself in a position where you're going to be in the wrong. Yeah. And don't back or don't over apologize. Yeah. Just and don't apologize saying you know if they're complaining about something that is ridiculous. Don't just apologise and admit fault or yeah. accountability. It's just apologise and say, okay, just be nice. Don't be horrible. Don't snap back. Don't be cheeky. Don't don't be rude or anything like that. And then all you ever need to do is pass it up to Jack or myself or someone mm-hmm. with experience that can come in and and break it down because you know seen it before and people will they'll get too involved and invested in little situations it's hard not to because you almost take it personally don't you yeah it's hard not to just bite exactly but it's so it's so common that they will go for like the because you can spot them you can tell as a customer who is the generally generally speaking it's the youngest isn't it there's someone who's least experienced they'll go for them or they'll knit in their comments Yeah. Yeah, yeah but those comments will be fed back most places to the manager. So the manager will always have an idea generally yeah. that they're being an op-ed. Um So yeah, that, that, that is the best way that you just always pass it up the chain. Don't make yourself, don't put yourself in any position. Yeah. And then that way, when they're it's a bit like in, after a car crash, when you like, don't say sorry, <laughs> just, just say, just be, just be nice. Yeah. And just try and, you know, don't put yourself in a position where you could say something wrong and make yourself lie, but just, chill <laughs> that reminds me i had a, we had a guest come in to pick up a box last week and he had this mask on bright yellow mask yeah. with a massive smile on it right creepy. it was crazy and i, I was <laughs> i was just laughing i said oh, like that's a very interesting mask and he said yeah it is and i've had it so long now i just forget about it it didn't come across so well when i crashed into some guy's jag and put it on <laughs> and went over to speak to him <laughs> And he was like, look, yeah. I'm really sorry, but he's got this big smile <laughs> on his mask. That is brilliant. Yeah, you would forget, though, wouldn't you? You'd forget what yeah. was on the other side. Oh, so Christ. I wondered why you're looking at me so weird. <laughs> oh, that's class. I love that. Okay, next one. Uh, this is from Chef McHugh, who has asked, what's the best idea to tackle the staffing shortage in kitchens? Is there a notable staffing shortage at the moment? Yeah, well, the best thing to do is have a pandemic and a lot of restaurants closed yeah. and there's more <laughs> staff. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. Yeah. Grab a, um, grab a pandemic for yourself off the shelf and that'll sort it out. Yeah. Um, there's no one best idea. It, it comes down to anything, really. And like we've discussed so many times, isn't it? It's about creating a, a, it's a balance. It's not about giving everyone brilliant hours because like looking at it practically, it's not not completely possible yeah um you know it's not about just paying them loads it's all about let's get in a right balance let's Mm -hmm. make sure the culture's good let's promote it positively on television you know television's got responsibility for people being inspired and coming into the trade Mm -hmm. yeah yeah because that was a lot of that was what inspired me like watching Mm -hmm. gary Rhodes and then you know watching Ready, steady, cook, and all that. All those show, any cookery programs, Rick yeah. Stein, all those those inspired me. So if we're showing a lot of negative stuff, then mm. people are going to be off. So how how we market the industry ourselves? 
Which, Even things like this, the podcast. Yeah, definitely. But it's interesting to me because from the outside looking in, it feels like it would be unusual to have a bit of a staffing shortage pre-pandemic. Because you're right, it yeah. feels it feels like there is a... I think um, Alex James from Blur, when we had him on, yeah. he said, didn't he, literally went, this is like the rock, this is the rock and roll age for chefs, like it was in the eighties and nineties for bands. Like we get, you get to just rock up at again, not in a mm. pandemic world. You know, if you want to get involved in food, you can rock up at farmers markets and do stuff. You can get a stall at a local thing. You can now go online. You can deliver boxes. You can start on Instagram like mm. this. So, and then there's more TV shows about food than ever before that are popular. Two versions of Master Chef, The Great British Bake Off, The American Ones, Chef's Table on Netflix, one of the best documentaries they've ever put. All these things. It feels like there's more momentum. It feels like there wouldn't be a shortage now because it feels yeah, so popular. Yeah. So yeah. it's odd to me that there has been. Yeah, it shouldn't be. But I, um, the balance will be different coming back because, again, there's more people looking for work because yeah. of all of the all industry struggling. And certain restaurants will, will will close as well um but one one thing that i i think has done damage and it, it links into what uh aaron mullis is doing lately actually is uh, like recruitment companies there's some fantastic recruitment companies out there and there's some fucking sharks like absolute right, okay. sharks like in any industry yeah and it's you know i'll get inundated with emails still now great candidate perfect for you they've got absolutely no relevant experience or they've no interest in working for us they just they're literally it's like numbers in numbers out they don't care how long they stay yeah. and that is so damaging for the industry so i've game. used recruitment agents but i've used the right ones mm-hmm. um and the right ones are the ones that care and make a difference and You'll you'll go back to them, yeah. You know, and they'll stay in the places a few years because what they're doing. What Aaron so Aaron Mullis has opened up a new business launch this week, so new recruitment company, but not not you know money hungry, just trying to place people anywhere. He's so well connected and he understands the industry better than a lot of these recruiters that have never worked in the industry course, or have only yeah, ever worked does, at yeah. very low level. Yeah. So his whole sort of ethos is about placing the people at the right places and if he doesn't believe even if somebody wanted the job somewhere um if he doesn't genuinely believe that it's for them or the right style of culture of place for them he wouldn't back them for he wouldn't put them behind it so he's really really passionate about putting the right people at the right places Mm -hmm. because you know one it's better for the industry two it's better for his his business because you know they're going to come back to him reputation yeah yeah it's and again you know there's not not many recruiters out there that are like well respected chefs like Aaron's been as well so yeah, yeah of course that's awesome mm, yeah, great so idea that's no, good cool okay next one from Jake uh, he asks what is the best advice for progressing forward from chef to party good question we had that one the other day about like for young chefs what do they do in lockdown to sort of take things to the next level but what about from a chef to party level to the next stage you know what is the things that you could be doing okay yeah um well, in some ways, it links back to what we were talking about last week. But for me, when I have... Um, so, like, when Laura was here, she was a chef to party, and Gibbo, he was chef to party as well, and they've both gone up from that then. I remember, I remember like, Laura asking me at the time, like, what, what do I need to yeah. do? Mm-hmm. I was like, you, you'll know what you need to do. I don't want to fully tell you, but, you know, in her appraisals and uh, things like that, I would sort of give her a feedback. And pers- what I'm looking for... Chef to party, right? It's for anyone out there who doesn't know what it is. Like, you're generally your responsibility is to run a section. So, you might run the garnish or the meat and fish, control that section, look after the ordering and the food of it. 
-hmm. what I'm looking for for someone to progress is not just have the cooking skills, not just be coming up with dishes. I want them, and I think they should be searching out responsibility for themselves. Yeah. So it shouldn't be waiting to be told. So it should be just the little things, and this will make the chef notice. Is just take taking things off them or taking things off the sous chef. Like mm. I'll do the ordering this week, or you know, can I take over the the cleaning orders? Right, it's yeah. something that has to be done. It's not a it's not an exciting job, mm. but just actively searching out, showing that you want that responsibility, yeah. taking control of it and managing it. That says to me that they're really ready for that next step because that's what you want from a sous chef. Can they manage? Can they look after? the things that aren't just mm -hmm. you know the pretty things so it's more than doing just 10 out of 10 in the job you're literally in it's oh god it's, it's it is, scoring yeah. numbers in areas that you're not even yeah you know, just because you know you're for. a just because you're a good cook and you you smash in your section and shift apart and you come up with nice dishes doesn't mean you're worthy of a sous chef position mm, at all interesting you, know, you might you might think that um but it means cooking wise you're ready but can you you know if you've got people below them are you coaching them are you bringing them on yeah, or you're yeah, just yeah. being selfish and looking after you and your yeah, section. Great point. Great. Are point. you a team player? Are you taking on responsibility? Are you, you know, are you staying extra, coming early? Are you do? Are you, you know, like what? You know, for me as well, because I'm running a restaurant and, you know, head chef. Like when I was on a section all the time, my guys would automatically they'd know what I needed. They'd be if I had a meeting at eleven o'clock for half an hour, they'd set my section up. You know, just little things yeah, like make sure my spoons are there, my boards there, my fridge is ready, my stoves on, my, my barbecues on. All those little things. That Sky goes set like, up on the phone, ready. You know, all the, yeah, because yeah. I'm in a meeting and I'm a bit like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> get the match on for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, mate, I, I'm in the meeting and I'm a bit on edge because I'm like, oh, I just got this to do, and then I come back and I'm like, Shit, my guys have got my back. Yeah. And that's ultimately what they want to be looking for. Make your chef know that you have got their back. That is great advice. Love that answer, mate. Okay, a couple more here. One from Nikki says, if you come back from the dead, if you came back from the dead as another <laughs> famous chef, who would it be? Uh, basically, if Who's you... Who's the richest? Yeah. <laughs> Gordon Ramsay, <laughs> next. Uh, well, yeah. I don't know. Well, uh, it's a bit of a weird question, that, but I guess... I suppose for anyone who's maybe at the end of their career or, or gone, like, whose mm. would you love to have said that was my career? Um, well, it would have to, uh, Thomas Keller, because, yeah. you know, I know I talk about him a lot, but there's a reason why, because yeah, yeah, he's sure. just, he's phenomenal, isn't he? And just, I just love everything he's done. He's done even, you know, look at the things that are, um, you know, like the bistros and things that he's done. They're still, like, class places. Yeah, everything yeah. he touches his class his class like, yeah his books are class he doesn't just <laughs> chuck out a load of like 10 quid budget books like all his books they're, they're class everything he does is premium the way he carries himself yeah yeah just uh just class. wishes my dad yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, wish he was, I wish i could call him daddy uh okay cool last Mike. one here is from wild and dine and they say paul if you weren't a chef what other job would you have? I'd probably be homeless, you know. I'm sure everything else. <laughs> that classic Peter know. Crouch one, do you remember that? Yeah. He said, if you weren't a football, what would you be? A virgin? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Peter Crouchy. Crouchy. <laughs> um, um, like, I get asked this a lot, especially by different media and stuff like that. Um, so I don't, I, don't, I don't have an answer because from 10, I was like, I'm going to be a chef. Mm -hmm. And so stuck, I stuck with that so I never really went through apart from 
pre-10 when you like policemen, firemen, all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I never went through, I never really explored any of her areas or never explored any of her skills. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard to answer. The things I would want to do, I'm no bloody good at. So like <laughs> be a footballer, yeah, never been that good at football. Right. Love to have been a singer, can't yeah, sing can't shit. <laughs> Classic, yeah. So it's not like I had many options. Treat, really. Yeah, yeah, so, fine. Yeah, I would have found a trade and done okay. I think. I don't think I, I genuinely don't think I would have been like massively successful in other areas because I don't think I would have put as much passion in. Mm -hmm. Got you. Yeah. Safe as houses. What about okay. you? Um, would you have been a chef if you weren't on the radio? Or, no, I don't think so because I think it goes back to that whole thing of I know it sounds really chip, but I don't want to work Friday nights, Saturday nights. Sundays. No, fair enough. Uh, yeah. And and also it's such a pleasure to me. That I just that's so I want it to stay in the hobby zone. I get that because yeah. it gives me so much joy. Um, yeah, that's why I, think... I only sing in the shower. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> I think if I was to do another job or retrain, so to speak, I my favorite my favorite subject at A level um, was psychology, and a lot of things that I learnt then I still remember well now. Okay. And as you grow older, like things you learnt doing a psychology A level, you get you sort of put you you then go through some life experiences and go, huh, mm. that's what yeah. that maybe is. And so part I maybe think that oh maybe I could have been a psychologist or a psych that might have been if I retrained mm. that, that might be a complete different tangent for me. But yeah, you know it's, it's a lot of hard work in it. I just sit sit here and play songs normally. That's a lot easier. Yeah can't complain with that <laughs> cool great questions all right lastly let's get a cowboy sh uh, story shall we this oh, one is yes. sent in from ian who says cowboy method or not question mark making hollandaise in a good processor i only do this at home but it does work make your reduction so white wine vinegar uh bay leaves pe peppercorns yolks and reduction in the food processor and start it at three yolks Microwave the butter, whole pack to three yolks uh, until boiling. Slowly pour it into the processor. The heat from the butter cooking out the yolk is perfect. No fuss. A lot of washing up, but always works. It's a lot quicker. Now, is that cowboy or is that a hack? Because I didn't no, look at that and go, oh. I've, I've kind of seen people doing this in the trade and that. And for me, that's cowboy. Um, right. Because I don't, I, I don't see the benefit as a hack because... Genuinely, that doesn't sound like it's any quicker to me. Oh, okay. Fine. Like, for the sake, like, you, right, your reduction, there's time in making the proper reduction, right? And he sounds yeah. like he's doing the proper reduction. Um, he's separating his egg yolks, putting them into the blender, and then he's mounting his butter and doing that. By the time I've done that, I could have had the pan of water, whisking yeah, my sabbath. True, on, actually. Yeah. And then my butter's already on earlier, clarifying and whisking it. So it's not. Yeah. Um, and I don't. I don't know, when I've seen it done, it's generally been a bit, a bit. It's not been the quite the right texture. It's not done with, not done with love and care, is it? It's a bit. It's a yeah, bit rough. I mean, no, he's doing it at home, which you know, fair enough. He's doing it at home, not not in a restaurant, so it's a bit different. But I just, don't, I don't see the benefit. No, not worth really. it. And when I've seen it done, the texture's never been right for me. When I've seen other guys do it, that have tried to tell me that, yeah, this is great. And oh no, it's not. Fair. Yeah. It's not because you blend eggs in anyway. You're breaking down the, the texture. Well, then I'm sorry, Ian, but sheriff's badge for you, then, mate. That is <laughs> cowboy. That is cowboy. I think. I've realised we, we've we've missed horse. a trick here. What we should do? We should get some merch, right? Of yeah. cowboy, cowboy written on a yeah. sheriff's badge on a mug. 
Uh, and people yeah. buy them for each other in the industry for those that they <laughs> do you know what I mean that they think that there you go that, I think we should do that I think we should, that's brilliant nightcap on the underneath that's, yeah. that is next that's going to come up uh, please do send us your cowboy methods whether they're stuff you you want to admit that you do or you've seen happen in the kitchen please do, please do send them to us we will read them out for sure and as I said at the beginning keep sending your questions and comments in um, good for another week I think the time flies by yeah. when we do these um, I know it does. Always totally. good laugh. When could, we can't meet, there's no other jurisdictions easing for beers in gardens yet, is there? At the minute, I've it's not just checked our website. A uh, lot of people have. Um, yeah, loads of people have asked for the link, haven't they? Yeah, I'm gonna. I'll say it now. I'll find it. Uh, so it is one. So it's spelled O N E. So one way road to beer dot com. Yeah. And as it stands, you can now have beer in the park with one friend. Right, I'll see you in ten. <laughs> eighteen days until you can have a beer in the park with five friends. Yeah, I've got so I've got eighteen days to find five friends. <laughs> that is not long enough. Not long enough. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Uh nice one, mate. I will catch you again next week then. Yeah, cool. Catch yeah, you buddy. later, mate. Cheers.